Coming to you from the DTC in Denver, Colorado, Pin Business Network presents Pin Business with Aaron Wood. Welcome everybody to the Pin Business Network podcast. This is Aaron Wood, Director of Dealer Partnerships with Pin Business Network. Join me today on this special episode of our podcast where I'm actually joining Jason Harris from Strategy with Jason on his podcast, Coffee with Jason. All right. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It's Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining us on another episode of Coffee with Jason. Today, I have my guest, Aaron Wood. Aaron Wood is the director of... Uh, hold on. I'm going to do this. Director <laughs> of Dealership Partner... No. All right. I'm going to let you tell me. <laughs> hey, Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. Introduce yourself. And give me the two-minute origin story. You got it. And how you got into the business and what you've been up to. Wow. Thanks, Jason, first and foremost, for inviting me to join you on, on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, especially appreciate a podcast with uh, my brother over in the east side of Canada. And I'm all the way up in Denver, Colorado, so this is pretty cool. Uh, it is fun. So, yeah, I, I'm my official title is Director of Dealer Partnerships uh, for go. PIN Automotive, uh, <laughs> which is the automotive division of pin business network so we're we're kind of like a hybrid of a few things we're, we're a data intelligence company we're a digital marketing agency and we're also a media company so yeah. we, we do a lot of things but the root all comes back down to data and data intelligence and making sense of and, and utilizing data to the best of our abilities with the end result of benefiting our clients. So uh, I'm in charge of the automotive vertical. And so this is a matter of working and consulting with dealerships um, prior to onboarding and coming onto our uh, agency platform. And then while they're a partner with our agency, working with them and our account management teams and media teams to make sure that we're um, you know, serving the dealerships to the best of our ability and, and making sense of data um, for automotive to where it makes best sense for these dealers to essentially you know, just give them more opportunities uh, to sell and grow in their marketplace and be profitable. And, and data is one of those things that's still a mystery to, oh, to yeah. so many dealerships. And, you know, I, I kind of give dealerships a little bit of a hard time because I feel like they, they need to educate themselves. And, then you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of companies out there that uh, will, you know, mass snake oil, you know, around the world's right. data, you know, and they just don't necessarily know what it is. You know, dealers, there's so much data points at a dealer, yeah. at a dealership. That data it's, it's data is a buzzword. You know, it, it, it's it it's is. the new it marketing is. buzzword. And and I mean, so I, I got my start in what I'm doing now, like eight years ago. And, uh, you know, I started off in going door to door, selling ad space in a small directory listing. And, you know, even, even that company, which was weird because eight years ago, I'm, I'm pretty young, I, I think, to be selling <laughs> literally going door to door, phone book ad door to door, literally knocking door to door on businesses and finding contractors and such. Um, but, it, but it was like, you know, I, I had a career directing television news prior to that. And I was like, you know, it's time for a change. I want to try something different. And so this was like my first four, 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 foray, foray. How do you say that? I'm sure. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it, it was my first you know, outing free, in advertising. Make up as many Dude, words as you want. It, I it, was, it was it was my f first four <laughs> bubble in uh, advertising. You know, I'm just going to go with that and own it. Nice. Um, but you know, 
they had a texting thing and they started to do some online. It was kind of weird because I was like, okay, you're you're a directory listing. You're all about this phone book essentially, but you're adding in online ads and texting. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Let's, let's just get into something else. So I actually went back to the TV station that I worked at and started selling online advertising for the station and for station clients and building ad campaigns. We had uh, um, audience targeting, we had behavioral targeting, we had texting, all, all sorts of things beyond just the legacy product of placing ads on a TV website. And yeah. it really intrigued me. I was like, man, this is so cool because it resonated with me because I consumed a lot of digital media and I'm the audience and now I'm able to take and communicate with a similar audience for clients. And I started working with some car dealerships and it, it got interesting because I, <laughs> I had no experience with automotive aside from just you know buying vehicles or attempting to buy vehicles <laughs> at dealerships. Um, and I started working with some dealer clients and it was it was so aggressive, you know, because they're always just <laughs> baptism like, by fire, <laughs> man. They're like, you know, I want results tomorrow. Yes, and it's 100%. like, okay, great. And you know, I'd launch a campaign. Thirty days later, they're like, you're fired. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> Anybody else I worked with, like I worked with optometrists that do they would sign twelve month contracts, and we'd have massive success, you know. And I'd sign with a car dealership, and two weeks in, they're like, our sales are down. You suck. I'm like, wait, hang on a second. Let's figure out what's what's actually going on. Um, so fast forward a few years, um, continuing to work more and more with car dealerships to the point where I actually worked at a, a car dealership agency that worked with tier two dealer groups and also tier three uh, individual dealerships. And from there, I actually jumped off and worked for a manufacturer. I worked for Mazda uh, North America for a number of years and consulted with dealerships. And uh, a big proponent of that was uh, consulting with their advertising and kind of looking at, you know, where are they spending money in the marketplace? How much are they spending on average to sell their vehicles? Um, and coming up with ideas to, to help them do better in their marketplace. And a big thing when you work for the factory, you know, you want to make sure that your dealers are selling, but they're selling within a certain geography. You know, sure. you're not worried. You're not worried if, you know, this dealership on the west side of Denver is selling into the, can sell effectively into the east side. You want to make sure that they're selling as effective into the west side of Denver as they possibly can. Yeah, they, you like, want that well, they own their market right. share. Right. You know? I, I need to make sure that you own your market share. But each dealer is like, well, I need to sell 100 cars this month. And I'm going to sell 100 cars regardless. I don't care where this customer is coming from. And then what happens, you know, when they go about this, I mean, you're, you're facing margin compression. Um, your dealership loyalty and customer retention starts going down because you're selling a vehicle to a customer who lives 45 minutes to an hour away because they drove exactly. to you to get an extra $1,000 off, right? So it's like you're, you're discounting yourself. You know, you're running the clearance just mm -hmm. to get volume when, you know, realistically you could sell and make money without the volume. You know, there, there is a way to hold higher gross. And I think this is where this data starts coming in. But, you know, long story short, you know, here I am today working at an agency again, consulting with a number of dealerships, not just Mazda stores, but looking at the full picture because, you know, and, and I even, oh, let me include this too. I spent time doing finance at a dealership. I spent time coming up with the sales process for a used dealership. So I've kind of dipped my toes into a few different areas there. And, you know, I kind of came to this realization and, and maybe some people will discredit this or have negative things to say, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> you don't have to spend years in a dealership or in the industry to understand that something's broken. 
Sure, it doesn't sure. take. But the cool thing is that you have had some time, right? So you under you take an operational approach to to the information you're putting out there, yeah. right? I've gotten a peek behind the curtain. You know, I, yes. I've seen where things are broken. I see see where things fall off, and so so what intrigued me the most about um, the company that I'm a part of now is the data intelligence because, like I said, it's a buzzword. Everybody has data intelligence, and they oh, I've got data. Okay, great. What are you going to do with this data? How the do you, hell do you actually how do you it? use this there. and what is the data you know help me understand it and the thing is that the dealers don't understand is you have so much data running in and out of your system out of your website out of your crms and dms i mean you, you have no idea what's actually in there even from a basic sense just looking at like uh, equity mining for example mm -hmm. dealerships have databases filled with customers who have previously purchased what are you doing with it what do you do with that information and I think this is where it boils down to people and process. If you, if you don't have a process in place to handle the information you have, you're not going to be successful with it. You know, 100%. I, I can give it you comes all the, the process yeah. and then uh, a, a total lack of strategy. Absolutely. I can it, give you just, all the data and all the information yep. and tell you, hey, here are, here are 500 customers that have purchased or leased a vehicle from you in the last three to five years. You've got uh, some less leases, lessees, whatever, um, that are coming up for uh, you know end of term. So you can yep. pull them ahead, put them in the market. You've got people sitting on vehicles with equity, which is sometimes far and few between, depending on the brands that you have. Depending on the brand, yeah, 100%. What are you doing with this? And these people are literally coming through your back door on a monthly basis. You know, if you look if you look through services like these these are customer paid ROs coming through, and this person's literally sitting on equity, and you don't have a process in place, you don't have a strategy, you don't have people there to actually do something with this to benefit your dealership. So I, I have a theory on that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because you know, I I, I 100 agree with you, but then I come and ask my question, I'm like, well, why the hell is that? Right. Why, why the hell don't we have a process for this? Why are we not utilizing this tremendous tool that's in our hands of, of understanding the data and how we, and, you know, so I think what it comes down to is just a sheer lack of goals and objectives. Absolutely. It, 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 it like, I'll walk into a dealership and, and I swear, I, I swear it's 2019. I've walked into, I mean, over my career, thousands of dealerships and it's like, you know, over the 15 year stretch, 18 year stretch. It's like, but I, I'll get the stupidest comment in the world when it comes to a goal and objective. Well, I want to sell more cars. Okay. Well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> All right. Okay. You know, yeah. but, but let's, let, let's get a little deeper or I want to service more cars. I want to sell more parts. It's like, you know, and then they'll come up with some number, just like, a, like just some random number. Where'd you pull this out of? Where the hell Where did, did it that come from? Come from? Right? I mean, do you even think that's a, that's a possibility? And it's like, well, it's based on our inventory and what's coming in. So wait a second, your inventory is dictating, you know, what what your goal and objectives why? are going to be. Like, what? Why? Why? In what world? You know, in in what world would that be the case? What what <laughs> other industries operate like this? Like literally pulling numbers out of your butt and saying, you know what, I want to sell fifty percent more because I got yeah, all this crappy inventory I, that the manufacturer that dumped on this me. Year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'll get into some candid conversation about this, but it's like, why does why does your inventory dictate your plan? First off, first off, what's your capacity? Can can you scale and sell more with the staff you have? Do you have enough salespeople, or do you have enough yeah. service advisors or technicians? And a lot of times, I'll tell you this: I would say eighty percent or more of dealers are facing a technician shortage right now. Oh, 100%. And this is, this is on the, uh, the franchise dealer side. You don't have the capacity for more service, okay? Because you're at a, at a position where you need more A and B techs 
and you can't find them. So yep. the marketplace is very limited with manufacturer certifi certified technicians, but yet you want to grow in service. Well, how do you do that if you don't have the capacity to grow? Yeah, it, it, well, there is no strategy. Right. We'll just continue to sit here and complain about it. All right, but we won't actually take any action. Well, what to are we doing to strategy, right? come up with a strategy and fix it and come up with a plan? Same with sales. Okay, so you, the other thing you want to double your sales, but you have, you have 12 sales consultants, sales staff, right? And you're selling maybe 100, 120 cars per month. I think NAD average is about 10 to 12 units per salesperson per month. You know? Yep. Okay, how are you going to grow if you don't have enough people to actually handle you know, the, the increase in leads and growth? Well, how are you going to grow if you don't even know what you're going to grow with? Right. You know, it's like we haven't taken the time to do that, right? So I feel like it's it's a it's a lack of really spending time on very very specific goals and objectives. And then the other part I find is what I call full billy syndrome. Okay. And, and dealerships seem to struggle with full billy syndrome. We're constantly, constantly, constantly talking about how much money we made, mm -hmm. and very seldom ever talking about how much we left on the table. Right. Yeah. You what, know, what's our lost opportunity? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like I walked into a dealership and they told me the closing ratio is 25%. And they're like, we're excited. They're beating their chest. Oh, we're 25%. I'm like, that's a good thing? I mean, you know, I mean, there's not a, a professional athlete or sports team out there that would just be completely right. satisfied with, with this and, and not always be looking on how they can be better and, and, and develop out better processes and better people. It's just like it, it full belly syndrome. That's what yeah, I call it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and, and thinking about that, you know, closing rate of 25%, it's like, why are you attracting crappy customers? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean, is, is that what it comes down to? You're you're attracting the wrong customers. You're attracting strategy, crappy strategy, customers. Lack of strategy. Well, strategy. It's like you got to sit down and you got to think, who's my customer and oh. how do I attract them? And and I use the word attract. So it's not just lead generate. I mean, you can generate leads all day long. That doesn't mean they're good. It just yeah, means no. you have leads. You're, you're getting a, a scratch a, a and, a scratch and save on your website. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Who, who's going who's to do that? Spend this to get a $50 gas yeah. card. I mean, there's enough damn companies out there that will provide crap like that. Yeah, but, you know, but there, it, there's a huge market of customers that want quality experiences. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they know what they want to buy, you know, yeah. and it's no mystery of what they're going to pay for what they want to buy. And it, it, it's, it's from coffee to cars. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm going to pay for my coffee. I know where I'm going to get my coffee because of the experience that comes with it. Experience also includes consistency too. I, I'm, a, I'm yes. a big fan of Starbucks and there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, Starbucks is just a monster. You know, I, I like small businesses and I don't, I support them and I don't go to Starbucks. It's like, okay, that's cool. That's you. I go to Starbucks because I value consistency. Yes. Wherever I go, I can rely on Starbucks being consistent. Same with McDonald's. I know this is kind yeah, of. I, like, I actually like McDonald's. Dude, coffee I, as well. I love McDonald's. Like, I really do like. Like, if there's yeah. not a Starbucks nearby, mm -hmm. it's usually my immediate go-to because I know consistently, and I drink. Well, I drink a crap. You drink coffee. liters um, of coffee. I, I do. In fact, so much so I made my own coffee. But by the way, we have some coming to you. It's in the mail. It's Fantastic. Yeah, we, we 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 made a <laughs> closers coffee. Actually, Sweet. this this podcast is sponsored by Closers Coffee. Um, <laughs> the best part of waking up is strategy in your cup. There you go. Can you do that? Hey, we, yeah, we there we go. <laughs> Guys, we got a new tagline. New here. tagline. Here we are. New tagline. Okay, there we go. Um, anyway, we're, <laughs> so so McDonald's. So so dig this. This is what I love about McDonald's. I've I've got I've got three kids. Two of them are are very little, 
And sometimes I'll be, you know, they'll be under my care to take them, you know, to lunch or breakfast or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'll take him to McDonald's. And here's the great thing I love is, well, first off, it's consistent. I know absolutely what I'm going to get when I go there and how it's going to be delivered and all that. I can grab their mobile app, place my order ahead of time. So busy <laughs> parent, dude, McDonald's I caters, know it's cool. panders it's cool. to the busy parent. And it's like, I can get the order all set up press submit walk in the door sit down and then here comes my order on a tray and they're like aaron aaron or, or whatever the order number or or thing should be and it's like it saved me time gave me exactly what i wanted and was as expected so think of it this, this is kind of back to that point of think of what your customers are doing in between vehicle purchases you know, I bought a vehicle three to five years later, I'm going to be in the market again to buy another one. Well, what, what happened in those three to five years? Well, in three to five years, McDonald's came out with mobile apps and mobile ordering and ordering kiosks to make their experience even more streamlined and more customer centric and focused. Starbucks does the same thing. You can order ahead on a mobile app with Starbucks. You know exactly what you're going to get. There's loyalty involved with this as well, too, that rewards the customer for coming back. So in the time of all these other advancements in a variety of other industries, what has your dealership done? How has your dealership grown and adapted and advanced to create a better customer experience? Or and, has it and not? I think that's, that's so key is that they created a customer experience. But what I think is, because actually I was having a very similar conversation with a dealer the other day, and we were talking about exactly what you're talking about right now. And I said, look, they didn't do this because it's a good idea. Like, I, honestly, I'm not fans of good ideas. I, I struggle with good ideas, right? When someone says, hey, Jason, I got a good idea for you. I'm like, mm, here we go. <laughs> um, because it, a good idea um, is only good unless it's rooted into an actual goal and objective. Right. Otherwise, it is just a good idea. There needs to be intention um, behind it. What, what's be, what's, what's the goal? What's the objective? Yeah, why are we doing this? McDonald's put all that time and effort into creating that process because the data was there. Yeah, the data was telling them this is the experience that customers are looking for. Right? Mm -hmm. They didn't do it because they thought it was a good idea. They didn't do it because they felt, you know, it was a good idea. I swear, if I get when I get into marketing meetings, I hear those <laughs> two words, I'm just like, no. I mean, they, they weren't sitting around thinking, man, what can we do today? Yeah, and then some guys like let's make a mobile app and let's make an app. Give let's people an that. opportunity to order breakfast while at a kiosk in our store. Fantastic exactly. idea. Let's do it. You know, they, yeah, like you said, they had data to that. What, what does data show us for dealerships? Well, for years, I mean, data showed us that people don't shop multiple dealerships in person. They no. do well, most of their changed. shopping online, right? Yeah, that's, that's changed so much. And I think data has also shown us too, well, what parts of the experience at a dealership do customers like and what parts of the experience <laughs> do customers hate? We have plenty of data that shows us that. What do customers like? Yes. Well, I like showing up and going on a test drive, right? Because it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's, hot. it's high level. It's, it's, I like it. It's, I'm getting into a, a $40,000, $60,000 product that's not mine. Who doesn't love a new car? You know? Who doesn't like and, that, and right? It, I, not I even just it. a brand new car, but a new to you car. Who doesn't love that? Exactly. No, exactly. Nobody would say, you know what? Uh, I don't want to go on a test drive today. But what yeah, do people then, hate? Then, what's what's next? They, they, yeah, of course. And then, then they come back and yeah. we're like, okay, here's the payment process. Here we go. <laughs> God. 
let, let, let me fill out this piece of paper real let me quick. Go talk to my manager. Information, and I'm going to go disappear into that dark hole in the back there for about 10 minutes. Yeah. We're going to be talking about you. Well, it's like, what, what's happening in there? Say, you know, and then I'm going to come back with a piece of paper. It's going to have a lot of hand, like chicken scratch numbers on it. You know, I mean, depending on your sales manager, it may not even be eligible at None all. None of this right? makes sense. You just scribbled yeah, a bunch of stuff. It's not going to be in line with what you saw online in the first place because I had to add this fee, this fee, and this fee, and this fee to yeah. it. Right. But I'm going to expect you to under to believe that this number is the right number and the best number that you could possibly get this at. So let's just go ahead and do that. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Disconnect well, from. Energy. And you know, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jason. Like, I don't say these. I, I don't. I say this stuff out of love. You know, and this might be a strong word to use, but honestly, I have friends that own and run dealerships, <laughs> and I care about them and their business. And I'm like, if I can, if I can help you see what you don't see because you're too close to it, that's what I want to do. Yep. And I want to help you see what you don't see because you're in it every day. So you get kind of jaded from that experience. You're, you're callous to it, you know, because you grew up in this or you, you've just worked your way at a dealership. It's like every customer is the same for you, mm -hmm. but you don't see that, okay, this is the first time this person's purchased a vehicle in like three to five years, right? <laughs> I say these things out of love because I want to help good dealers become better. I want them to see, it's like, listen, this doesn't work anymore. This is broken. And this is the other side to it. A lot of people have been saying that, but who's offering the solution to get mm -hmm. better? Where's the coaching? Where's, where's helping somebody put a process in place? I don't, I don't want to recommend something if I can't help them change, coach them up or develop a strategy to do something better. You know, it's like, if I can say to the dealer, Hey, listen, people love showing up at your dealership because you have a great selection. Uh, you've been around for a number of years. You're a big volume store. So it's like they know they're going to find what they're looking for here. They don't have to shop anywhere else, right? You got a nice facility. Your staff is, you know, courteous. But people hate, you know, being toyed around on a price. You know, they know, they know how much this is, right? Build value. Build that value in your product. Build the value in doing business with you. And guarantee people aren't going to have an issue paying what you're asking them to pay. No, I 100%. personally, you know, so when I left Mazda, um, my wife and I were like, okay, what, what are we going to drive now? Because when you work for a manufacturer, you, you drive the brand, right? Of course. Of course. So there's a lot of perks that come with that. So we started um, looking and I actually went to a Subaru dealership. Um, uh -oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. uh -oh. <laughs> but here, here's the deal. It's like, <laughs> I, I worked for the factory. I've been trained in finance. I know how sales work. And I knew if we were going to buy or we were going to lease, if we were going to lease a Subaru, I knew what I wanted, but I've, I never drove um, the products before. So mm -hmm. we showed up to a, a Subaru dealership not far from home. Uh, I said, let me check out this uh, Forester. I think it was a Forester XT and then uh, the Outback just for cross comparison. I want to see, you know, what, what's what and the differences. And well, first off, I come from Mazda land of, they have amazing automatic transmissions. <laughs> no yep. CVTs. This was the first time I like drove a CVT and I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> and the guy's <laughs> like, well, you'll get used to it. I'm like, I don't want to get used to it. Um, <laughs> that aside. So kind of narrowed it down. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to get an, uh, a Subaru, I'm not going to get the Outback. I'm going to get the Forester XD. It just was a better fit, um, better, better engine to it and all that. So I'm like, all right, let's go. Um, so looking at leasing, you know, here's where we're at tier wise should be like tier one. Uh, we're going to put some money down. Um, 
probably 350, 400 month. Cool. And guy's like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, fantastic. Fill out the credit app and all that. Goes back to his manager, comes back. I look at the payment, 525. I'm like, wait, excuse me? Like what? <laughs> did I, did I stutter? Um, I'm like, okay, so that's, that's cool. Good try. Uh, yep. What, what money factor are you using? You know, what, what's, what's going on in here? Because realistically, I think you should come in at about 350, 375, right? Yeah, like it, the very little or almost no explanation of how they actually no, just, it whatsoever. This is a number that just came out of some magic box, you know? Yep, it's, it is, it came out of a magic he's box. He's like, okay, uh, I'll be right back. Probably, you're probably left there on your own, right? So I'm like sitting here looking at the guy, like, like you're me and I'm looking at it. He's like, okay, and then he, and then comes back again. Yep. And puts another paper in front of me. It's like 480. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, we're getting there. Bye. See ya. Yeah. Calls me later. He's like, hey, if I, if I can get closer to like 350, I'm like, dude, you had your opportunity to get closer to the 350 when we first sat down. And I said, all right, let's come up with 350. Just give, give me some explanation of what's going on here. Why do yep. these numbers have to be imaginary, pull them out of a hat, see what the customer says? It's just it's a lack of transparency. That's right. what it is, and and consumers are looking for that transparency. It's yeah. one of the reasons I love using Uber, right? I, I use Uber well because it is convenient, but but it's the transparency in it. I absolutely. When I, when I know where I want to go, I know exactly how much it's going to cost. Yeah, there's no you mystery. Know, this this old archaic, and because I, you know, look, I think of kind of the dealerships in this old payment processes, how kind of like how getting into a taxi, you don't actually know what it's going to cost you to no. get from point A to no. point B. You're just like, oh god, do I got enough cash in my pocket? Is, is, am I going to have enough to cover? You know, but well, no, what, what's the surcharge going to be? Is there going to be like an additional flat added to it just because you know? And I think yeah. of it the same way. Oh, am I here too early in the month? And you're a little hungrier than you're going to be later in the month. And so I'm getting a little, you know, a little more finessed. And you know, you're putting the the max markup on the money factor <laughs> or the interest rate or whatever. I'm like. Just, just be straight with me, guy. You know, and yeah. this is this is a Subaru dealership, and Subaru I think is a brand um, in the United States, Colorado, and Washington. Subaru is huge. Um, it is for the rest of the country. I don't know. Um, I don't know how it is in Canada, but I'd, I'd imagine you get, you get up to Oregon, it's pretty popular. Yeah, super popular <laughs> yeah, up there yeah, yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. In Canada, we're also very popular because we're very in sync with our weather, right. and weather here is all over the place. So all wheel drives, so, so that's pretty it's, much. It's like a, a given. Yeah. You're, all-wheel yep. drive all day. But I think it's a brand that has great consumer sentiment, but then you go to a dealership that's still doing things like the old way. I, I always consider yes. it, this is like this is like old Ford dealership, you know? You show up and it's like, oh, what do you, what do you want to pay today, you know? It, it, well, it's, the it's, car it's, badger, it's, remember it's, that it's guy? Like, oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you want to get me one today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, but how you no, got a lot of money. Like, you know, we, I don't think there's a dealer out there that wants that taxi experience. Right. Yeah, that's what they continue to provide to their to their customers is this taxi style experience right. you know it's not do you think the, it's that it's, they, they just don't know how to get there to the next step how to become become like the uber when they were the taxi driver it's the full belly syndrome ah. I, st- I still think it's a full belly syndrome and then if you sprinkle in a a mix of laziness and um so it's like i'm i i you know i'm somewhat satisfied with what i'm able to achieve you know and right. you know i don't really want to have to i'm already working a shitload as it is right now so if, you know for someone to come in and tell me that i'm gonna have to step up my process game that means that i'm gonna have to work this much harder to do that it's kind of like f no the other thing too is is that we're so fixated into this race from the beginning to the end of the month that if you know you're asking me to bring in some additional process or develop out some additional strategy that doesn't immediately affect my 30-day race right 
It's like I don't, I don't got time for you. Leave no, me alone. No, it's like it, it's like it, it's such a reactive environment. I'm reacting to how is the month going? This, this is why I've said before. I, I posted uh, a comment of this: is dealerships really need to stop looking at their sales on a month-to-month basis and start looking at things on a rolling 30 average. And I think this, this is why I think that because you're going to see a better picture of your performance mm-hmm. in order to give you sort of the roadmap to improve performance. Because and I'd honestly, be I'm like go 90 days, dude. I think I think you seasonality know? is baloney. Yeah, I think it's baloney. Here's why: is because you're looking at things from a monthly basis. It's like okay, well, what about February? You have less days than you have had in January, and less days than you'll have in March right? Or when you come up around holidays and things like that. But if you look at a rolling 30 or even bring it down out to a rolling 90 or even look at the two together, you will see what is my pace. And I think this is a way where, and this could be something, you know, where, where dealership CRMs could even improve to show better reporting metrics. Show on like efforts. an, on efforts. On, on efforts. See, the key thing is efforts. It would be we accountable. Have no, we have no problem accountable system. Yeah, we have no, the, these systems have no problem showing results, but it's like the efforts to get to the results, yeah. you know, it, you know, that would change things in a huge way. You know, look, look, look are, at are it there this more, way. Are there, yeah, I mean, look, in February, are there less people in market? Yeah, yeah. sure. But that doesn't have to change your efforts. Your efforts still right. need to be consistent. It's what, it's like, does McDonald's sell less coffee some days? Sure it yeah. does. But right? then they sell a boatload the next. It does not change their efforts. Their efforts are not defined by the volume that they're going to be doing. And for some reason, as dealerships, we get into this space where our efforts are somehow defined by by these seasonalities and with the volume. It's like, well, it's winter, so I'm just going to kind of you know kick my feet around a oh, little yeah. bit. Everybody knows we're not going to sell in winter. Okay, did yeah. you and all the other dealerships in your market agree, hey, guys, it's winter. Let's just take it easy. Let's scale back. Yeah. And, and then here's the other thing. It boils down to the lowest common denominator, right? Where you're looking at individual sales consultants. I, I know stores where you'll have a guy sell 25 cars one month and then take off half the next month to come back in and sell 10 cars. And then, you know, the, the old adage is like the booze money ran out. So now he's got to sell 25 more cars the next month. But it's full like, belly syndrome. He'll, <laughs> the full belly syndrome. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, I, I did great. And now I can go eat. And well, now the money ran out and I'm hungry again. So I'm going to come back and get back to work. It's like, well, why are we doing that? Yep. Well, why is it, why is it so up and down? And it starts, it, it's at the top and it's at the bottom. And it's like, if at the top, we're looking at things more of a consistent average of results, we can mm-hmm. narrow it down to the bottom. Well, on an individual basis with sales consultants, you could even do this on the service side too, but let's just focus on the sales side. Individual sales consultants, well, let's have a, a daily average goal or let's have a rolling 30 day or rolling 90 day average goal and reward based off of that. Not just a one month, hey, you sold you know, over 15, so you started getting minis and other bonuses on everything above 15 units and you sold 25 units and you made bank that month and you're good because you don't really wanna make more than you know five grand on average per month, so you take off half the next month. Let's reward people for consistent efforts and consistent efforts. Results, results up to but the, the top. Consistent efforts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're, let your efforts define your results, right? I see it. I see it the same way too. Even with dealer um, ad strategies, um, you have some brands, especially you know, I'll use Mazda for example. They will sell a crap load of CX-5s. Like that. Yep. That's a Mazda number one seller. What about Mazda 3s? Okay, we'll sell some of those too. Okay, you also have a CX-9, you also have a CX-3, you also have a Mazda 6 and a MX-5 Miata. Well, what are you doing with all those? Well, we sell a bunch of CX-5s. 
Okay, but what is your strategy focused on? Your strategy is focused on selling CX-5s, right? At what point do you take, and again, turn that strategy into something that's accountable for selling all of your car lines? Yes. There, there is a way to do this in any brand. You know, look, look at Ford, F-150s are popular. You don't have to be a one-trick pony with F-150s. You don't no, have to be a don't. CX-5 champion. You don't, you don't have to be a CRV dealer. You can be a Honda dealer and you can sell all your Hondas. You can be a Toyota dealer and sell all your Toyotas. Same with Mazda, Ford, whatever. The fact is you got to look at that strategy and make it accountable for driving results across all car lines. And this is the problem, you know, dealers get short-sighted. They're like, well, we're doing great. You know, we're, we're selling, we're selling, <laughs> you know, we're, sell see. we're selling, we're selling we're CX-5s. Selling. It's, it's we're, sell, we're, selling, we're selling cars. Come and on. I'm like, like, man, I don't okay. need to go any farther. I'm selling cars. I'm what if, what if you sold two more CX-9s a month? Yes. Okay, well, yeah, that we double our CX-9 sales. Yeah, I mean, you, there's literally some dealers. They'll sell it's actually, two. it's a shame because the CX-9 is actually really, really Super nice awesome. Deal. I've got one in my super garage. My deal. wife loves it. Yeah. Dude, it's fantastic. But the problem is the customers that buy them know about them because they've went and they've done the research and they found them. But here's the problem. You don't have enough dealers actually making customers, putting customers in the market. You have dealers kind of playing catch. They're waiting. They've got like their hands out, the net ready to go. It's like, I'm just going to catch whoever's coming this way. And, and most of them are, you know, just CX-5 customers. Or, well, they, know, they assume that the customers. dealership, that's the, they also assume that that's their manufacturer's responsibility. Right. And, and that's not, that's it's, not it's, true it's at not. all. I mean, in, not in your area. Look, if, you're, if your market penetration is only so much, all right, you need to generate more awareness around your CX-9. Look, if, right. if the Ford Street down the street is consistently selling Explorers, all right, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to consistently sell CX-9s. You've got to put reason, people in the market. You've you got to put gotta them build into the market. your brand. Dealership's responsibility well, and, to do and look at it this way. I mean, what if, what if there was no manufacturer? Are you still yeah. going to be in business? What if they took your franchise away? What if they say, hey, you're not a Honda dealership anymore. What are you going to do? Are you going to sell used cars still? Or are you just going to close up shop? Or what if the manufacturer says, you know, we're not going to pay co-op anymore. We're not going to help you advertise. Yeah, exactly. Do you just, do you just call it quits and, and <laughs> stop? I mean, who opens a business and says, you know what? I'm going to open a business. I'm going to stand here and I'm, I'm going to, my, my supplier is going to be responsible for generating me sales. Yeah, that's crazy. Who, who does that? No, nobody does. You have to build your brand. But you if for some reason in this industry we do. I don't know right. why. <laughs> and, and it's just other, other things, again, set out of love because I want to see, I want to see change in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I want to see dealerships succeed, especially, you know, I, I mean, the market's up and down. And, you know, you can, you can set your clock to it. It's going to be down this year. It's going to be down next year. It's it's going to level off. You know, we've had a couple of really good years, and it's just going to kind yeah, of yeah. We're we're plateauing. Like everyone's kind of freaking happens. out about it. This, it this happens. happens all the damn time. But here's the thing that will happen: good dealerships will succeed. They will come out of this shining. Right? Bad dealerships will fail. It, it is a guarantee. There will be winners and there will be losers. The winners will be the ones that see benefit in developing strategies, developing processes, developing the people within their teams and creating great experiences for customers. Those are no, the dealerships that'll win. A hundred percent. Now let's talk about, let's kind of like deep dive into that, yeah. right? Like, because, you know, I, I know people listen to this go, yeah, Jason, all right, Aaron. Okay. Like I've heard this shit all the time, right? <laughs> right. Let's, you know, I understand I got to do this. I got to get my people, got to have my experiences. Gotta, but you know what? Let, let's, let's give them some real, some real actionable, right? What would you say be the three things? And there's a lot, right? There's a lot of things we can do to really kind of prep ourselves for what's, what's to come over the next couple of years, right? right. It's just a, it's not a down season. It might be slightly down, but it's going to be a flat season. It's just is what it is. Just accept it. 
it, right? Um, but, but what can we do to, what would you say the top three things we could do to prep ourselves for that? Mm. I'm gonna, okay, know, number, right? number one here, <laughs> this is going to be hard. And some people might have heart palpitations from this. Stop relying on other people to sell your products. Okay. Okay. What I mean by that is as yeah. a dealership, stop relying on independent lead providers. Stop relying oh, on the yes. manufacturer. Stop relying on vendors to sell for you. Use a vendor like an agency or an ad partner. Use somebody who's going to make you famous, who's going to help you sell better, mm -hmm. and stop relying on other people to make the sales for you. Stop playing yeah, catch once, with Once lead. you turn that tap off, it's done. It's it, off. Dude, it's done. And, and like, here's the thing. I, I'm, not, I'm not getting all like, uh, was it Mel Gibson, conspiracy theory? Yeah. Is that him? I'm not, I'm not getting all conspiracy theory here, but these, these lead providers are not your friends. They are in business to send you leads, and I guarantee probably 85, 90% of those leads are your own customers anyway that they're just <laughs> selling back to you. These are people that would buy from you, but because <laughs> of strategies that these you know, companies have created, they say, you know, don't trust those dealers, trust us. And then all they do is just take that customer information, send it back to the dealership that they're telling customers not to trust anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem. I don't even know if I have a number two and number three, but that, that, that's, that's number that's one. That's probably the biggest one. That, no, that no, is no, the it, biggest it, problem. It. Stop relying on other people to sell for you. You need to create your own funnel. Absolutely. You really do. You need right? to create your funnel. You need to create customers. You need to put customers in the marketplace yes. as opposed to waiting for customers or catching customers that are going to come your way via third parties or via the manufacturer. You know, you have to put customers in the marketplace, educate them, overcome their objections earlier and more often in their online buyer journey or their customer journey, however it looks and then continue that. So, so this might lead one and a half to number two point, continue that internally. So this comes down to, you need to train your team on your strategy. This is who we are. This is how we speak to our customers. This is how we treat our customers. And this is a thing that I see a lot of dealerships lack is having these huddles with their sales teams to align everybody with their strategy. Team and I think alignment. Team yeah. alignment is totally important in this industry. Here, here's what happens. Um, do you like Chick-fil-A? Mm-hmm. Okay. When you go to a Chick-fil-A, every time you go through there, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Oh, the, language, the language is always consistent. They, they have a cult atmosphere within Chick-fil-A. Every Chick-fil-A is the same. They speak the same way. They treat their customers the same way. They have such a high level of consistency because of the training, because of the alignment with the overarching strategy. I guarantee if dealerships would do this, call it like the Chick-fil-A method or something, the CFA, CFA your dealership, right? Yeah. Align your team consistently with your messaging and with your strategy, you'll see considerable results. Because when a customer shows up, if your sales consultants and your sales managers understand this is what we're doing in the marketplace to generate and create customers and engage with them and build sentiment for our dealership as a brand and our products, if they continue that conversation with those customers, you won't have to worry about price. You won't have to worry about a customer, 100%. well, let me get a discount. They won't yeah. want a discount because they'll actually want to do business with you. There's actually a fire alarm going off in my building right say, now. I you? have no idea what is happening here. Let's wrap up. <laughs> Point number three, let's do this. 
I'll give you this. I don't. I don't care. This. I'm sure it's not. Before the building down. burns. Before down. the so building burns. Point down. number three in there. Point number three. Dig this. You need to look at your digital analytics the same way you do a financial statement. And yes. so what I mean by this, dealerships are great at looking at financial statements to see what areas of their business are costing them or making them money. Right? What's profitable? What's not? Start looking at your analytics. <laughs> Spiral. I love this. this. No, it's great. perfect. Yeah, we got to wrap that's here. Great urgencies. <laughs> but look at your analytics the same way you do a financial statement. Guarantee you're going to find things that are making you money and costing you money. Shift and put more effort and more focus on what's making you money and cut back on what's costing you. One hundred percent. I couldn't agree anymore. Aaron, thank you Absolutely. so much for taking your time and jamming with The me building's today. burning down, bro. The, the this is fire. So, right. so before it burns down, yeah. real quick, uh, for people that like to connect with you and learn a little more about what you guys are doing, yeah. what's the easiest way to do so? Uh, just check us out, pinbn.com or awesome. pinbusinessnetwork.com. Uh, check us out there online. Check me out on LinkedIn. I, I like to post my opinions on LinkedIn. Very much so. Well. And they're great. So they're great. Out. I really Thanks. encourage you. Anybody listening, watch this. <laughs> go check out Eric. I appreciate Aaron, it, thank Jason. Thank you again so much for your time today. Absolutely. I had awesome time jamming with you. Awesome, man. Thanks. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. Once again, thank you everybody for listening into the Pin Business Network podcast. This has been Aaron Wood, the Director of Dealer Partnerships with Pin Business Network. For more information on us, check us out online anytime at pinbn.com. That's pinbn.com. And as always, thank you to our wonderful producer, Mr. Joshua Hammerling, for putting this production together. This has been Pin Business with Aaron Wood. Pin Business has been brought to you by Pin or Platform Intelligence Network. PIN is a data-driven marketing company which focuses on a human-centric approach to marketing. Please visit us at our website at pinbn.com, that's P-I-N-B-N dot C-O-M, or call us at 720-552-5827, that's 720-552-5827.